So Jesus, uh, we lift our hands up as an act of surrender. And we say to you that we can't, but you can. We're not enough, but that you're more than enough. That we're not in control, but you are in control. And we thank you, Jesus, that as we surrender to you, we find every ounce of grace we need to do every day for your glory. And as we lift our hands up, we also lay our lives down and say, take these next couple of moments and use them for your glory. We trust you can and you will. In Jesus' name. And the whole New Spring family said, amen. Come on, let's just praise Jesus for a moment here in this room. You all can grab your seats and tell the person to your left and to your right that they're looking good today, smelling good today. If we, have, if we haven't had a chance to meet, uh, my name is Dan Leanne. I'm one of the teaching team here at New Spring Church, and we want you to know that you are so loved, and we are so excited that you took time to come and hang out with us in our 1115 gathering. Uh, right off the bat, I want to congratulate everyone for surviving the most dangerous holiday of the year. That, that's Thanksgiving, the most dangerous of all the holidays. Man, it's dangerous when you get the one person in the family who does the least cooking, and you trust him with the, uh, the responsibility of cooking a 40-pound bird that is most likely still half-frozen with big clumps of ice in it and that kind of that gravy sachet that you didn't know was in there. And then you make them kind of boil, like, you know, five gallons of peanut oil to 375 degrees on a fire that's elevated off the ground. I'm telling you now, the fact that you didn't burn your house down, man, that's a miracle. So if you didn't have much to give thanks to God for this Thanksgiving season, give thanks to God that you didn't burn your house down and basically give your children third degree burns as well. Come on, well done, you survived the Thanksgiving season. We just come out of a series called Overflow and Overflow was all about God wanting to bless you so he can get blessings to you and through you. Overflow also points towards the overflow offering that we take up every year as a new spring family to sow into the kingdom of God. This year's overflow offering is going to our Aiken campus. Shout out to Matt Steelman and the Aiken campus where we are going to build, come on, a permanent facility for our Aiken family to worship God, to shine light, to share the love of Jesus, and to see Aiken transformed. I'm excited about it. Our family gave this week into the overflow offering, so I beg you, I plead with you, I dare you, I double dog dare you. This week, if you haven't given yet, plan to give this week or in the next couple of weeks, we as a family can make such an impact for the kingdom of God if we all overflow together. Can someone say a good amen to that? My family and I took a step of faith in giving that overflow offering this week. I pray you would do the same as well. Well, you are here week one of a brand new series called Messiah, Hope in the Dark. Throughout the course of December, leading into our special Christmas weekend, December 18 and 19, we're gonna be talking about how Messiah equals hope. And before I go any further in the message, I wanna share a word with you that the Holy Spirit put inside of me specifically for our church. Early this week, I was doing some praying and some preparation, and early one morning, I felt the Holy Spirit speak so clearly deep 
inside of my soul. So I wrote these words down. I want to read these words for you verbatim. New Spring Church, God wants to restore your hope this Christmas season. In your homes, hope. For your marriages, hope. With your families, hope. In your parenting, come on, hope. In your hearts every day, God wants to restore your hope. In the state of South Carolina, our license plates read, while I breathe, I hope. God is saying, let me breathe hope back into your souls. Can someone just receive that word right now? We need hope, and God is in the business of restoring, renewing, and reviving hope. We don't spend a lot of time reflecting on hope, exactly what it is. But everyone in this room knows exactly what it's like when they feel hope in their hearts. When they're overflowing with hope, I'm telling you, you know it and you do life differently. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who know what it's like to have had hope and to be losing it. You had more hope at the start of the year and now you get to the end of the year, you're kind of limping into this Christmas season and you're pretty low on hope. Unfortunately, there are way too many people in this world, maybe even in this room right now, who know what it's like to have had hope, a lot of it once upon a time, but right now, you'd have to say, I don't have any hope. I see what's going on in the world, I see what's going on in my life, if you knew what was going on in my family, if you knew what was going on in my finances, there are way too many people who are saying, Dan, you would see someone who is hopeless. So here's the question, what is hope exactly? Because we need hope. Well, the Bible defines hope as a joyful expectation for the future. When you study out the old Hebrew words and the Greek words, you'll see literally a picture of one who is waiting with confident expectation that tomorrow will be better than today. A joyful expectation for the future. And the Bible makes it also clear that we need this joyful expectation for the future. We need hope. Your soul was designed in such a way to run off hope. With hope, you can power through the darkest night and the wildest storm. Without hope, life is a challenge indeed. That's the reason in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, it talks about how even youths grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord renew their strength. Those who have a joyful expectation for their future because their God is still in control, they feel strength come back into their bones. You can deal with another day. You can run another mile. And you know that to be true. You've experienced that in your journey. You know what it's like when you're trying to do life when you're full of hope. You jump out of bed just a little bit quicker. You have a pep in your step. You have a smile on your dial. You go to work and the minutes fly by. All of the challenges that arise throughout the course of the day, you deal with them with confidence and joy. You also know what it's like to do life without joy. 
and without hope. There are way many people who crawl out of bed or roll out of bed and say, you know what, here's another day. I don't know if I'll be able to make it. That work day just goes so long. You know, the, the, the whining of your children just seems so loud. The, the, the kind of disagreements you have with your spouse are just so, uh, so flammable that everything seems like a greater challenge. That's what life is like when you do life without hope. Why? Because God designed your soul to need hope, to power through each day. Hope is like gas for your tank. You know, you know when you're kind of running low and you see that little light go off? I've asked this question before. What do you do when that light goes off? Do you do what my wife does as a smart, insightful, wise individual and see it as an indicator that you need to pull over to a QT and fill up with gas? Or do you do what I do? See it as the beginning of the game. <laughs> How does your hope tank look right now? Are you running on full? Are you around midway point? Could be better, could be worse. Or are you running on empty? Because I have way too many friends in this journey who are running on close to empty. And you're not alone. If you feel that way, it's amazing how life, especially in this day, in this age, robs us of hope. I have friends of mine who are drowning in so much debt, they don't know if they'll ever get out and they're losing their hope. I've got friends of mine who are working as hard as they can in multiple jobs, but they're still finding it hard to make ends meet and you're losing your hope. I've got other friends who find themselves in a deep pit of depression and every single day just feels darker and darker and as much as they try to, to pick themselves up and to have a better mood, the reality is it feels like something that is stuck on them that they can't shake off and they are losing hope. I have dear friends of mine who are trying to conceive and, and have children, but it, it feels like as month rolls into month into month, that dream seems further and further away and they're losing hope. I've got friends who are in the middle of the adoption process and they have a child who's become their child, but it's, it's such a long process to see them legally become their child, and they are losing hope. I have conversations nearly every single week with people who are freaking out about the world and what's going on in the news, and it feels like this world is getting nuttier and nuttier and nuttier and crazier and crazier and crazier, and, and nothing is making it better, and they are losing hope. I was talking to someone this week who was talking about how they were just so happy that this coronavirus thing has now finally passed by, but now there's some new variants that are floating around, and is everything going to kind of go back to where, the way things were in not a good way earlier this year, and they are losing hope. The reality is, if you find yourself right now in a place where you would have to honestly say, I'm pretty low on hope, my hope tank light has gone off. We want you to know you're not alone. In fact, you're in the exact right place right now because we serve a God, we worship a God, we know a God who is in the business of restoring hope. No one restores like my God. Chip and Joanna haven't got a thing on my God. He is in the business of restoring hope. So here's the question, how? 
Okay, Dan, you rolled in today dressed like a referee. How? How is my hope restored? What has the Bible got to say about my hope restored? I want a joyful expectation for my future. I want something to hold on in the dark while I wait for the light. Where does my hope come from? Well, the Bible makes it clear time and time again. In Israel's most hopeless moments, God kept pointing towards Messiah. Prophets, kings, priests would be told of Messiah every time they found themselves in a hopeless place. In a dark pit, in a difficult night, under oppression, feeling like everything had fallen apart time and time again, God would point towards Messiah as hope. So here's the question. What's this Messiah thing? I've heard the word Messiah before. I've been around church and I learned that Messiah was like the Old Testament word that was translated Christ in the New Testament. I know a little bit about Messiah, but how does this Messiah bring hope to me today? Because yo, Dan, I'm freaking out. It doesn't look like the future's getting brighter. I don't have any joyful expectation. How does Messiah bring me hope? How does Messiah breathe oxygen into my soul? Well, you gotta understand what Messiah means. Like, literally, Messiah is translated as the anointed one, a deliverer, a savior, a king who would come. 300 times in the Old Testament, prophets would prophesy about God showing up in Messiah. And that was to bring hope. King David prophesied about him, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you'll see Daniel prophesy about him. But how does this prophecy from 3,000 years ago make a difference for me on the 5th of December, 2021? How does Messiah give me a joyful hope for my future? Well, if you're taking down notes, I've got three simple truths that will prove to you that if you have Messiah, you can have hope. So if you're taking down notes, pull out your leather-bound journals right now and your pens and start scribbling. I'm not saying you need to take notes in church to get into heaven. I'm just saying, why take a chance? You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, like kind of pop quiz and an open book, you know what I'm saying? So take some notes down. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, Android device, if you have yourself a Google device, open up the note app. If you have the NewSpring app, all of the notes are preloaded. I want to explain to you how Messiah gives us a joyful expectation, a powerful confidence about our future. I want to see your hope tank filled up. And this is how Messiah fills up your hope tank. First and foremost, you've got to understand, Messiah means God has a plan. Because Messiah is a plan. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, The Bible says, a messianic prophecy, the days are coming. The day may be difficult right now. Your your day might, might be dark right now. Your day might be painful right now. You might be aching today. But the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up from David's line a righteous branch. 
Out of King David's family tree, I have orchestrated a moment where Messiah will come, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Our God has a plan. As crazy as the world may be, come on, our God has a plan. As heartbreaking as the news is on that website, come on, God has a plan. As desperate as you are as an individual or in your family, God has a plan. And when you remember that God has a plan, you smile and you take hope. It gives you a joyful expectation for your future. That's what plans do. I know what it's like to do life with plans and without plans. I remember a couple of years ago, we went to Disneyland for the first time, 2012. Josiah was five, Caitlin was seven, we're gonna go along. It's the happiest place on earth. The only problem was we chose to go in the middle of summer vacation time. All right, so we're there in Disneyland, Anaheim, California, and I've got friends of mine who are like Disney experts, and they're saying, hey, Dan, do you have a plan? So I don't have a plan. I'm like a kind of, I'm, a, I'm an improviser. You know, I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of individual. Don't try to like kind of cage me in with your plan. I'm a go with the flow and ride with the tide kind of individual. I don't want no plan. So we roll into Disneyland with no plan. It was a mistake. I've heard it's the happiest place on earth. It is not. It is hell on earth. You got people everywhere, grown women who take it way too seriously, dressed as princesses, got like Mickey ears on, like be running around, bumping into you, and then you're standing there in line like 90 minutes to go ride, like that kind of, it's a small world ride, and that's creepy. It's a creepy ride. You know, it's a small, it's a creepy, freaky ride. You spend all of your money within the first hour on one turkey leg. You got one turkey leg, and you spend all of your money. You have lost a kid. You're dehydrated. It's a crazy place. So my wife says, time out. We did it your way, let's do it my way, didn't we? We caught a shuttle back to the hotel. Everyone cooled down a little bit, and then Krista drew up a plan. She worked it out. She goes, wait a second, let me work this out. If we get a fast pass here, and we stand in line here, and then we do the ride on the way to the next ride, and to use the fast, if I get enough, see, I got, there's like Disney women all over this building right now, nodding their head, you know what I'm saying? And if we ration our money this way, if we get one turkey leg, one bite for you, one bite for you, one bite for you. So we went back that evening, and I'm telling you, we dominated Disneyland. Was Disneyland still crazy? Yep. Were there still too many grown women acting like princesses? Yes. Was a turkey leg so expensive we need to take out a second mortgage and sell the kidney to buy? Yes. But it was a great day. Why? Because there was a plan. And your life will still be challenging. But God's got a plan. Things still won't go your way all the time. But God's got a plan. Your heart still will hurt sometimes. But God's got that plan. And it makes all of the difference. Messiah brings hope a joyful expectation for what's gonna unfold, why? Because Messiah reminds us that God took the time and he made a plan. And it's a good plan. It's not to hurt you, it's to help you. It's to give you a hope and a future. That's the kind of plan that God has in play for each one of you. Sorry, I'm in the South. Let me just, for each of y'all. Messiah means God has a plan. Point number two, write this down. Messiah also means that God sends a person because Messiah 
is a person. God doesn't just send well wishes in your direction. God does, just doesn't like say something nice, hey, things will get better, keep your chin up. No, God makes a difference in our mess as he sends a person to fulfill his plan. And you'll read about this person in Isaiah chapter nine and verse six. For unto us a child is born. That's what we're gonna be celebrating over the next couple of weeks in this Christmas season, this child that was born, who split time and space, who brought hope into the world. A son is given. We would learn that this was no ordinary son. This was the very son of God, fully God, fully man, fully able to make a difference in our fully hopeless lives. And the government will be on his shoulders, or in other words, every power, every authority would be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. At the center of God's plan was the strongest person who could make a difference to our joyful expectation for the future. And that's important, you know why? Because your hope is only as secure as what you hope in is strong. Could I suggest to you the reason why many of you all have lost hope is because the things that you hoped in aren't secure? Money isn't secure. Our jobs aren't that secure. Hey, people might try their best, but people will let us down. Hey, politicians you might vibe with, but the reality is they come and go. Hey, hey, that football team, hey, every single year, this is our year. And every single year, next year is going to be our year. You know? Maybe the reason you sit here this morning feeling like you don't have any hope is because you've put your hope in things that don't have the power the capability or the strength to guard your heart and hold your life together. Uh, we, we got some great friends of ours, like Krista and I have two of our best friends and six months ago they decided to sell everything that they had to buy themselves one of those fifth wheel RV kind of camper vanny things and go on an America adventure. So they sold everything they had, locked their earthly possessions into a storage container and they took off. The only problem is they left their storage container in a town that will remain nameless, Anderson, South Carolina. <laughs> and that one little padlock that was holding all of their earthly possessions was snipped off and that container was emptied out. Now, now there's a little part of me that kind of felt bad, but I'm like, you kind of, you, you, we're in Anderson, people. And you're gonna put a lock there to try to protect everything? In the same way, I'm kind of going, hey, I hate to say it, I'm not trying to throw shade, but maybe the reason you don't feel any hope right now is because you trusted a human being to protect your hope. Come on, you, 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 you trusted money that is here today and gone tomorrow, and isn't it, isn't it funny how money comes a lot harder than it goes? It goes really, you know? That's the reason. You're here right now lacking hope, 
because you've entrusted something that isn't King Jesus, come on, with your hope. So if you're sitting here feeling hopeless, there's a part of me that feels bad because the thought of looking into someone's eyes and seeing someone who doesn't feel any hope, that is heartbreaking, but there's a little part of me that gets excited because when you find yourself without any hope, then you might listen to the truth that might set you free, that only Jesus Christ alone, come on, who has the government on his shoulders, who is wonderful counselor, come on, who is mighty God, come on, who is everlasting father, come on, who is prince of peace, maybe finally you put your hope and your trust in him because everything else you've tried has failed. My heart breaks at the thought of you walking into New Spring Church this morning feeling hopeless, but my heart leaps knowing that I have a real God who carries everything on his shoulders. Saying, hey, jump on, I got you too. Messiah means a person who is strong enough to guard your heart. Thirdly and lastly, Messiah means a plan Messiah is a person, and Messiah also is a presence that remains. Messiah declares a God who not only came to us, but stayed with us. That's the reason the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Messiah is Emmanuel. Emmanuel literally means God with us. I met a beautiful young lady, a 14-year-old young lady who came to church, and she, her name was Amelia, and I found that Amelia meant strong. I know my name, my name Daniel. Daniel means uh, the Lord is my judge. Messiah is called Emmanuel. And his name means God with us. Come on, smile, that's good news. Because nothing gives you hope like when God shows up and reminds you that he's with you. That's what won my heart when I was 17 years old. I'm a freshman in college, I'm asking these questions about God and faith and what's true and, and, and where does my soul go after I die? And so I do this deep dive on religions and I find that Christianity is different than every other world religion. Every other world religion is about a faraway God making me do good things so one day he'll take me away to be with him. Christianity flips that on its head and says, you know what, no, it's not about me doing good things to get away from this earth, it's about God stepping into the darkness, into the pain, into the brokenness of humanity and being with us every single day, every single twist and every single turn, every single high and every single low, every single victory, every single defeat. Our God stays with us, His presence remains. That's the reason we can have hope this Christmas season if you're gonna praise him, may as well praise him properly in the room. And it gives you hope. And I've experienced this because 2021 has been a difficult year for me from a hope point of view. I've always just been a really hopeful kind of guy. You know, I, I don't know what it was, but growing up, I was always the glass half full guy. I was always the silver lining on the clouds guy. Even my, my blood type is positive. You know what I'm saying? Everything about me 
there's this kind of hope filled. I don't know if it was because my mother didn't breastfeed me and gave me Red Bull instead. I don't know what it was. Something happened to me young. I've always just been a hope filled kind of individual. 2021 has tested that. I thought the world was going to get back online and stop being crazy after 2020 got done, but it didn't happen. In fact, every single time I turn on a news channel or read a news website, come on, my heart sinks just a little bit more going, things aren't getting better. It feels like things are getting worse. And pastoring is difficult. I love you. You know what I'm saying? And this is like, this is like, this is fun, but the only reason I do this is because I love you. And you know how hard it's been to try to love people who have gone off the radar? It's difficult as a pastor. Knowing there are people who you used to see at church all the time, and you just don't see them much anymore. And you bump into them at the gym and they say stuff like this, Dan, I haven't been there in person, but I watch every single week. I love all your sermons. By the way, when did you get your hair cut? Is it like July 2020? How long has it been since you've really gone on? You know what I'm saying? And that's been heartbreaking. (laughs) To add to to the pain and the frustration, like my family, for those who don't know me, my family are all originally from Melbourne, Australia, on the other side of the world. And, and we haven't been able to see our, see our family for like a couple of years because of all of like the travel restrictions and all that kind of stuff. But specifically, the city that my family are from, Melbourne, Australia, is officially the most locked down city in the world. Just a couple of weeks ago, my parents came out of a 260-day quarantine lockdown. And it has been literally hope-sapping trying to FaceTime with my father every day as he gets angrier and angrier and my mother gets grayer and grayer. So it was a couple of weeks ago and I'm FaceTiming with my father and and it just overwhelms me. I felt distinct hopelessness. So I pull over to the side of the road. I got tears in my eyes and I'm just like angry at God but I start talking to him. I'm just here to testify to you what happens. I felt a verse come into my spirit and it was Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. And Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, may the God of hope, come on, let's just be reminded, our God is the God of hope. He's not the God of revenge. He's not the God of anger. He's not the God of apathy. He's not the God of you made your bed, now you need to lie in it. He's not the God of, hey, you turned your back on me now, I've walked away. No, he's the God of hope is what he does. May he fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I made a decision in the car on the side of the road. God, I'm gonna hope in you. I'm gonna trust in you. Come on, things are dark, but I believe you're a light. Things seem like they're out of control, but I believe that you're in control. Come on, it hurts right now, but you're a healer. Come on, I'm gonna trust in you. I'm here to testify. It felt like Messiah filled my car, filled my heart, 
and the last couple of weeks, come on, have been different as I have walked with hope. And I believe and pray that that is going to be your story as well. Because Messiah is a presence, Emmanuel, that doesn't leave. And that fills you with a joyful expectation for your future. Can someone say a good amen to that? So as we wrap up our time, I wanna ask you a couple of questions and then I wanna do something really special with you. Hey, just think about this. What did God say to you today? Like you, you felt it deep in your spirit or something just went into your brain and it's been bouncing around. What a, what a great concept that the good and gracious creator of the universe cares so much about you that he will clear his heavenly throat and speak in your direction. Don't take that lightly. What did he say to you? Did he say to you, hey, this week was something you needed and you need some, did, did he say something to you about, hey, you've been putting your hope in things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Come on. What did he say to you? Second question, what are you gonna do about it? It's one thing to be spoken to. It's another thing to do something about what we hear. How heartbreaking. God takes the time to clear the schedule and talk to you, and then you give him a fist bump, that was nice, and then you walk away like it never happened. Ah, no, what are we gonna do about it? What conversation do you need to have? Come on, what decision do you need to make? Hey, come on, what kind of, what kind of space in your life do you need to surrender to him? What are you gonna do about it? Answering those two questions, I guarantee you, will leave you changed. Amen? Amen. Can you stand to your feet just on every single campus? All across the state, God is restoring hope. In Lake Wiley, he's restoring hope. In Spartanburg, he's restoring hope. Come on, in Greenville, he's restoring hope. Here in Anderson, he's restoring hope. In Greenwood, he's restoring hope. In Powdersville, he's restoring hope. Come on, in Clemson, he's restoring hope. In Columbia, he's restoring hope. In our Northeast Columbia campus, he's restoring hope. In Florence, he is restoring hope. In Myrtle Beach, he is restoring hope. In Charleston, he is restoring hope. In Aiken, he is restoring hope. In Hilton Head, he is restoring hope. He wants to restore your hope today. So with everyone standing right now, let me just ask a couple of questions. First and foremost, is there someone in one of our rooms who's saying, you know what, Dan? Yeah, you do look like a referee today. But I don't know if I have Jesus. I've got some religion I try to keep some rules, but I don't think I have Jesus. My friends, we're here to let you know that's all Christianity is. It's not about rules or regulations. It's not about jumping through religious hoops or clearing legalistic bars. It's about recognizing that God loves you and comes to find you exactly where you are. And he'll knock at your heart's door. Mm, he'll pound on your heart's door. And he wants to bring life and he wants to bring hope. And your new life and your eternal security begin when you open up your heart to him. So with every eye closed and no one looking around, I do this to give you a sense of privacy. If that's you right now and you know you need to invite Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, 
bringing life and bringing hope. If you know that Jesus isn't Lord and Savior in your life, when I count to three, I'm gonna challenge you to lift your hand proudly in the air and say, you know what? I'm made in God's image and I know that I was meant to live for his glory and I want Jesus in my life. So with every eye closed, if you're saying, I want Jesus in my life, I need his hope and I need his life, when I count to three, lift your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. Come on, lift your hand high in the sky. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hands, I see your hand, I see your hands over, there's hands everywhere in this room come on let's pray this prayer out loud, let's do it all together dear Jesus I open up my heart to you give me life and hope thank you for coming to earth for dying on the cross, for rising again, to give me life help me by your spirit to live now for your glory Amen. Can you put your hands together for all the people who lifted theirs? Wow. On every single campus, you're going to have a pastor or a leader coming up in a few moments' time, and they're going to help you with your next step if you put your hand up. We're pumped about your jump, but we're committed to your journey. So please let us help you with the way forward. For the rest of us, can we, can we wrap up our time this way? In a few moments time, we're gonna worship God and I'm just gonna believe that as we worship God, you're gonna feel an exchange. Come on, hopelessness for hope. Come on, you're gonna feel a filling up of a joyful expectation for your future. Come on, I speak this out in faith. Someone is leaving one of our rooms today with more confidence that tomorrow is gonna be better than today, irrespective of what is swirling around them. Come on, right now, I believe with all of my heart but would you just knit faith with me right now? If you're saying right now, with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around in a judgmental manner, I like to mix around my little, no, no, in all seriousness, the Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There is nothing as humbling as saying, I need help with people watching. I believe something supernatural is gonna happen right now in every single room. If you're saying, you know what, Dan? I need my hope restored. Can you put your hand up in the sky right now? If you, I need my hope restored. Come on, keep, keep them high. See, you're not alone. You're not going through your family stuff alone. You're not going through your health stuff alone. You're not going through your work stuff alone. You're not going through your business stuff alone. So we're gonna worship Jesus in a few moments time. Come on, keep those hands raised. In the name of Jesus, we come to you, Father God. We thank you that you love us and that you're for us, that you came all the way to meet with us. And I thank you, God, that Messiah brings hope. We thank you that Messiah reminds us that you've got a plan and it's a good one. You sent a person and he was a strong one. And you are a presence that brings so much joyful expectation for our future. Jesus, we love you and trust you in your mighty name. And all of my restored hope people said, amen. amen.